In this podcast episode, we will be looking at how games are used to tell stories, such as in traditional ways like in Uncharted, as well as in less traditional ways such as in games like Journey. Included in this podcast are two interviews from avid gamers, one who plays a lot of story-driven games and one who does not, so that we can hear some diverse perspectives on why they like these kind of games and why they don't like these kinds of games. My name is Samantha Armstrong, and thank you for listening. Stories have been told since the beginning of time in oral narratives. Modern technological developments led to new narrative vehicles, such as the print medium, for example, and gave us only broader and richer ways to tell our stories to one another. Visual mediums such as film and television allowed stories to become highly accessible, filling a void that theater and performance arts once occupied alone. Video game is a new medium compared to the thousands of years oral narratives have been around, and it is unique in its interactivity between the audience and the narrative. As a player, you participate in the narrative, relying on your own skills and intuition to move forward, unlocking further story points, or creating your own. However, some of the earliest games had no story at all. Take Pong, for example, which is a rudimentary simulation of tennis. As the capabilities of computers improved over time, video games became more complex in the gameplay and their stories. Many games we play today have long and engaging narratives that require hours and hours of gameplay to complete them. The interactivity of games through the story itself allows the player to experience the plot rather than have it be something that they consume. Traditional storytelling in games is obvious. A lot of single-player games have extensive cutscenes, which are essentially just scenes from a movie. The gameplay allows you to move from cutscene to cutscene as you unearth more of the narrative, and more and more games are using the gameplay as its own form of storytelling. When you watch a movie or read a book, you are sitting passively by while the characters are interacting with their world. However, in games, you are that character, in that world, performing those actions. Some games are predetermined, so the story will always follow the same path and have the same outcome. Others are more fluid and will change depending upon the choices you make as a player. Movies cannot do this, but games can, and it makes them a special kind of narrative vehicle. There are many ways in which games tell stories, whether it be through cutscenes, lore, gameplay, you name it. The game Fortnite, for example, tells a story through subtle changes to its game map. Locations appear and disappear in concordance with the story that is happening, letting players interested in the narrative to dive deeper and find these Easter eggs in the game, while letting other players who just enjoy the gameplay to continue their, with their quest to become the last player standing. Other games are much more traditional and focus on the character arc of the characters you are playing as. Many games will tie character progression to player progression, such as in RPGs like the Persona series. In this series, you start off as a shy and unsure high school student, and as you progress through the story, you not only become stronger but more confident in your abilities. You can see exactly how much you have grown as a character by visiting previous areas and seeing how much stronger you are against enemies you initially struggled with. This is called player empowerment, and while many find this quite effective, player disempowerment can also be a quite a powerful storytelling mechanic in games. In the game The Last of Us, you play as Joel, who is a strong character who becomes a father figure to this girl Ellie. As Joel, you are fairly easily able to fight and fend off enemies as you acquire new tools and weapons. However, later in the game, Joel becomes hurt, and you switch from playing as him to playing as Ellie. Ellie is much weaker and is much more limited in what she can do to fend off enemies. This switch can be heavily felt by players, 
and adds to the story and showing how scary life in The Last of Us's world can be when you are essentially defenseless. I wanted to hear more about how other gamers felt about games as storytelling devices, so I had a conversation with Jeronimo and John to learn a little bit more about their perspectives on the topic. I will now be talking with Jeronimo and asking him about his experiences with stories in games. Do you enjoy playing story-driven games? Why or why not? I do. I think that there's a time and a place for every kind of game, but I do think that the ultimate, perhaps saying the ultimate purpose is kind of wrong, but to me what I enjoy most about video games is being able to discover a world and have the, the liberty and freedom of interacting with the world as much as I want to. I can go through every missing letter or every NPC and put together the story as I interpret it and, and as I want to at my own pace. It's very different from a book or a movie where a book, your progress is only based around how much time you put into it, how closely you want to read it, or even you can jump around from page to page, for instance. And in a movie, it's how much attention you're putting to the movie. Uh, and you can also jump around by skipping scenes and stuff, but in a game, you can't really jump around that much. I mean, you can literally jump around, but you have to actually move your, your avatar. You have to move your character. And because of that, the world becomes so much more personal and so much more customized and important to me, I guess, because it is this world that I've been given free reign of and I can do with it what I will. And I think that it's really beautiful when I can be invited into this world and the story that these developers have created for me. And maybe I completely mess up and maybe I completely misconstrue it and think that they're saying something that they're not. That, that's, that's the fun of it. I think that I really, really love the variety in, I guess, story interaction and story uh, interpretation. And so, yeah. Just story-based video games, I think, are so much more fun for me than what I would consider mindless games. But that's also completely um, so disrespecting those kinds of games. Like multiplayer games, not really for me, because I, I really appreciate just single-player story-driven games that, to me, have a point. When you say mindless, I guess you mean just games that are more competitive, where it's more about the competitive aspect of it and of you winning or completing something that's really difficult um, which a lot of players find really satisfying but you in particular want to be part of the world and want to be part of the story is that it well not necessarily there like I said there's a time and a place for everything and sometimes I, I want what I call mindless games for instance the game that I've played most recently in the next gen quote-unquote console is World War Z and that game does have an inkling of a story, but the story is really just a vehicle to um, justify these people going around shooting zombies. <laughs> so <laughs> the story to me isn't, it's important when it's a single player game and when that's what the game is trying to do. But of course, video games are fun because there's no um, limits to them. And so there are different genres for a reason. There are different kinds of gamers for a reason because people have different desires and people have different facets of the game sphere that interest them. And so if I think overall the type of game that I do appreciate the most is a story-driven game, but I don't know, sometimes the story doesn't have to be the most important part. Like for a Devil May Cry game, the stories are cool, but the most important thing for me is the gameplay. So 
Yeah. Um, e each game has its own strengths, and sometimes games balance their strengths really well, and you have a very fun, well-balanced game, and sometimes you have a really terrible playing game with a great story or a game with a terrible story that plays really well. It's, it's whatever you want to take out of it, and it's all very, like I said, very interpretable and very personal. And, yeah, that's why I like games. Yeah. Well, talking about, I mean, games like Devil May Cry, what are some of your favorite games that have been used to tell stories, and why do you like these? My favorite kind of game in terms of telling a story is one where there's a lot of player involvement, when you have to piece the story together on your own. And it, I think it's because of the fact that if you miss one very important document, or if you pay attention to some sort of environmental detail, or if you just are eagle-eyed, or even if you aren't eagle-eyed, if you're just putting a lot of emotional investment into a game and kind of are willing to have a fluid understanding of interpretation of the game, then all of these disparate details can be interpreted differently by so many different people. And given what they bring to the table, given their own identity, or given all of their experiences, then one game, one piece of media can be interpreted in so many different ways. I think far more ways than a book or a movie could ever be because of the fact that these games where you piece the story together, then it's it's up to you how much you want. <laughs> you could just speed run through the game and ignore the story completely, or you could take your time and you can put it all together and you can be a completionist and get every collectible and understand the story inside and out. And it's completely up to you. You don't just sit passively getting the information told to you like a movie or an audiobook. And you don't have to put in 100% of the legwork like in a book. It's kind of a dialogic relationship between the game and the, the gamer. <laughs> so I really appreciate that. So what are some of your favorite games that are like that? I know that these are some of your favorite, but can you give us some examples of some of your favorites? I think the, the, the Bioshock series is very good at doing that. Mm -hmm. um, I think conversely, I've, I've always equated Bioshock with Dead Space. Um, How are they similar? It's the, oftentimes the player's avatar being sent into an environment that has already fallen or it's already collapsed and it's up to you to traverse through this, I don't know, hellscape or this dystopia and understand and piece together what happened after the fact. And I think th that's honestly my favorite environment to explore kind of recently after a major event has happened, or maybe not even recently, just long after a major event has happened. Because I think if, if when a story puts you into the big climactic event, I think that there's a lot of ways to get that wrong. Um, there's too many moving parts and that could very easily kill the mood. And I mean, more recently, I've been experiencing games secondhand, like through streaming and all that, so, because um, I don't have time. <laughs> but um, even games like Resident Evil 2 Remake, um, kind of the the outbreak, the zombie outbreak had already happened and you come in after the fact to this like um, completely devastated police station and you have to piece it all together and find these clues and stuff. And it's just really cool, I, f I think, being kind of, it mixes detective-esque gameplay, but still like survival horror. And it's just really fun because it's it's intellectual, but it's engaging in kind of a, a hand-eye coordination way. It's It's just super fun to me. And I, I know that there are games when there's no action involved and the gameplay is literally going around collecting the clues, kind of like Gone Home, I think. Or like... What is Gone Home? It's the story of this um, vet who comes back home to find her home empty. And um, it's similar in the way that the, the player is dropped in uh, an environment after 
something has occurred, after an event has occurred, and it's this completely abandoned home, and you go around collecting these um, details, these very domestic like letters or pictures or something, and you're supposed to piece the story together. And in that way, I think that if I were to play it, I would appreciate it a lot. But it also, to me, misses something that makes games games, and that's kind of the the freedom and the the fun to just do something that you couldn't in the real world. Mm. I know that there's a lot of games like, I don't know, Second Life, when people want to do next to realistic things. But for me, it's always been kind of escapism and fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for a good reason, some of those games are some of the most beloved games of all time. So you've touched upon this already a little bit um, in terms of what are some things that you like about story-driven games? But what are also some things that you don't like about story-driven games? I think that it's, it's, a, it's a couple steps removed from being kind of a shooter on rails, for instance, or just being on rails. because What does that mean? Uh, kind of rail shooter games are games where the, the player has no input in the movement. They can only really control the aim. So it's, it's kind of like a light gun game from the arcades where... The only thing you control is really like you're attacking, but you you can't control where you move. And so that's the most, I think, dramatic and drastic example of the player having no agency whatsoever in terms of where the story goes. But when a, um, a game has is very story-driven but doesn't give you branching paths, then it's essentially a shooter on rails with slightly more freedom up until the point. But you have to hit certain checkpoints. You have to get to a certain points um, to progress the story and then I've always felt that once you've played it through once and you know all the twists and turns of of a game that has only one path then all those twists and turns don't really hit you the same way and you're just replaying it for I don't know catching new details or just playing it for the gameplay or something but for games that have far more options like something like Fallout, for instance, it's really cool because you can choose to be however you want in certain playthroughs. You can be good, you can be bad, or whatever you think is good and bad. But even those, I think, are kind of flawed because since there are so many options, each one is less developed and less involved as a traditionally strictly story-driven game. But um, in that same vein, I think that what I originally called, or what I earlier called mindless games, there's so much or so cool, too, because sometimes you want to just play a game, like a multiplayer game or even a single-player game when you're just doing whatever. You, you're It's just you um, completely ignoring everything else and just having fun. And you don't need to be bogged down by a story or the lore of this character or whatever. It's just you having fun in this little virtual world, I don't know, shooting something or jumping over something or hitting something or whatever, driving cars. And it's fun. It's fun... It's fun not having any responsibilities and not having any ties other than I. this is what I'm having fun with in the moment and this is all that I want to do for now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not having, in, in a strange way, having those restrictions of being story-driven are really fun when that's what you're in the mood for, but sometimes you're not in the mood for being limited in any way. So I think games like Grand Theft Auto, for instance, there are people that completely ignore the main quest in those games and all that they do is buy the game for the essentially the sandbox playground of it all. Um, I don't know if I'd ever be able to do that, for instance, <laughs> but there are times definitely, especially after you finish the game and after you've experienced the entire story, where the story 
going back to this story might not give you as much satisfaction as just experiencing the world now that you've, you know, seen it all. What are some of your favorite ways in which games tell a story? With lore, items you discover throughout the game, cutscenes, dialogue, branching narratives, etc. I think I've never played a single Souls game, like Demon's Souls, Dark Souls, um, Bloodborne, uh, Sekiro. I know that I think it's most, I don't know if to say egregious, but it's most dramatic in Dark Souls 1 and in Demon's Souls that most of the game's story is told by descriptions of items that you pick up. It's not really spoon-fed to you, as it is in so many other games. So you really have to want to pick up on details. You really have to read every single document very closely and start to connect to these disparate threads on your own. So I can't really speak to the efficacy of a narrative like that, I am very interested in in the lore of that world, but it's because people have already collected it for me (laughs) and I can consume it that way very easily. I think that's very fun. But on the other end, there are games like the Metal Gear Solid series where there are literal hour, hour and a half cutscenes. It's essentially just a movie and you have to play until you get to the next movie. And that's fun. But Hideo Kojima, who the main developer behind that game series, is kind of essentially just trying to make a movie that you can more or less interact with. And at that point, I think it loses itself between what a game is and what he believes that a game could and should be. I don't know. When, when I play a video game, I, I play it to be able to experience the story, but also be able to be involved in that story more than you could just projecting onto a video, or rather onto a movie character. But when, when the cutscenes get too long and when the story, I think, gets too full of itself, then it's kind of hard for you to project onto these characters or for you to create a divide between movie and video game. And it's kind of an in-between liminal space between watching a movie and playing a game. And there's greatness, I think, in moderation. Portal, for instance. Portal's super great because it's mostly gameplay, but every so often, and uh, during your first playthrough, every so often at, like, random times, you'll... um, (laughs) you'll run into cutscenes, and the cutscenes are integrated so well into the gameplay that um, they'll it, it feels like you're still playing the game, essentially. So I think that those are the best ways of going about it. Um, in that delivery of the, of the lore or the story, something where the gameplay isn't obstructed, and it's not... There aren't clear distinctions between I'm playing the game now or the game is telling me a story now, where... It just feels natural. It just feels like everything is coming together seamlessly. So do you think people play Dark Souls mainly for the experience of fighting these monsters and being enveloped by this world and being a part of this world? Or do you think they play it to discover this story and discover that lore? I I think it's a bit of both. It's kind of hard to say now because I think Dark Souls is like, uh, 13-year-old game. So at this point, I, I guess I'd compare it to something like The Sixth Sense, the um, M. Night Shyamalan movie, um, where at this point it's kind of become a meme that Haley Joel Osment sees dead people. So um, a, a video game world that has at this point been studied and understood top to bottom, it's it's still very interesting. And to some, it might be more interesting now that the entire story has been laid out before them. But for people that either know the story and go back to play it, or don't know this, or rather 
haven't played it but do know the story and want to continue playing it um, for the first time, for instance, that's kind of what I want to do. I, I want to go into the Soul series now knowing everything that I know. I think it's at that point for Dark Souls and the Soul series specifically, just the the difficulty that the series is known for. But is there another series that you would compare to Dark Souls that doesn't have as much of a gimmick or a draw as their difficulty? Can you expand upon that a little bit? Can you explain further what you mean? I'm saying that Dark Souls has the, if not a crutch, it's not the a The draw yeah. of the, that's why a lot of people play it. Yeah, because it's just understood that it's a very hard game. and But it's it's enjoyable in its difficulty. But it's it's balanced well. So it, it's not just that it's this wonderfully rich world that people can get lost into. There are hundreds of games with wonderfully rich worlds that people can get lost into. But not all of them have the same polish and not all of them have as much care put into their gameplay or their level design or their world building or what have you as Dark Souls or the Souls series in general. So um, I'm wondering if, if there are other worlds in your or other game series in your opinion that have a similar kind of um, hands-off approach of storytelling that Dark Souls has that but without the the draw being incredibly hard and incredibly fulfilling there are lots of games that have stories um that are just things that you kind of discover throughout the world for example amnesia right is a very popular horror game Mm -hmm. where you can go throughout the entire game not really picking up anything and just be spooked but if you actually want to figure out what's going on and what happened, then you actually need to go around and discover the clues about what actually was going on in the game. Mm-hmm. So there are things like that where it's not about the difficulty level so much as the draw to it is the fact that people like horror. Yeah. So it depends on the genre and different things. But I think the reason why Dark Souls is so special to a lot of people is because it is so difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another game that similarly has a really impressive level design uh, would be Celeste Mm -hmm. on the Switch, um, which has a much more linear story. It's not something that you just kind of discover, um, although there is a lot of lore behind it the more you look into it. But a lot of people really enjoy Celeste because the level design is really, really well made. It's a really challenging game, but it's incredibly rewarding for people who play it yeah and celeste i haven't played celeste but i've watched the video analyses on celeste it um kind of meshes and incorporates the the feeling of the story at the moment in time with the level design which i think more stimulates further stimulates the the player because when when the main character celeste or whatever you name this main character when, when they're feeling a certain way, when they're being met with a certain um, challenge or task, when they've suffered some loss, for instance, then the game gets a lot harder and the music gets a lot more intense and stuff. So this entire combination of all of these elements uh, help the player further be immersed in this world because of the way that all of these elements come together. And because of that, and not only is it a difficult game, but the game designers knew what they were doing in implementing all of the all of what makes the medium of video games unique, they, they combine that. And that's what separates the, the medium itself from other media like photography or um, re- videography or 
I don't know, books, for instance. And I think that's that's what allows people to be more involved with a, with a story. Right. And I think something that you were touching upon earlier is uh, what makes a game a game. And a lot of people have had a lot of debates on this because games are now sort of becoming more than just games, but playable experiences Mm -hmm. is a term that's used quite a lot with video games. And you see it, especially smaller games, uh, like Firewatch, uh, if you've heard of that, or Journey, which is a beautiful game that has absolutely no dialogue. I wanted to compare Journey to Dark Souls too, because there is a story to Journey, but it's, it's, I think it's a lot more up for the individual to create their own story. And the whole Journey aspect of it is, the person that you happen to run into and partner with. And so, yeah, um, I, I do agree with that. And I've always found it really interested, interesting, the FMVs of the 90s, where it was just a movie, essentially, that you could control the outcome of. But it was always very strictly linear. Like, if you didn't do the right choice, then your character would die or something. And you were essentially playing through the scenes of this movie that were chopped up, and you might get a blooper or something. Um, but you were trying to get to, to the linear progression. And those are kind of making a comeback, I think, <laughs> strangely enough. Um, but still, I think that a, a game a game is a game based on how much freedom the player has in interacting with the world. This is sort of related to what you were just talking about. Um, do you better enjoy games where you are playing as someone who has a defined character and personality, such as in games like... Uncharted or Kingdom Hearts, right? Mm-hmm. Or do you prefer games where you are able to shape the main character through your own personalizations and decisions, such as in Skyrim and Fallout, which you were describing as well? I do think that there's a time and a place for, for both, um, depending on how you feel. Like sometimes it's cool to be able to be out of your own skin and fall into these straits of these perfect video game people or these imperfect video game people. Um, for, I guess for someone, I'm not saying this is me, but for someone that maybe has been really by the books their entire life playing something like God of War, for instance, might be super cathartic because they're not that way in real life. So being having the, the liberty to fall into the shoes of this very set in stone, aggressive, violent, um, kind of raw person might be very good for them, might be very invigorating or someone that doesn't have a lot of self-confidence being able to be someone like Nathan Drake from the Uncharted series essentially an incredibly confident charismatic witty person it might be good for them too it might be escapist but I think for me I I tend to prefer games where you can shape the character um, games with uh, morality compasses essentially where you can choose to be good or bad (laughs) and those choices are always half measures. They're not really, they don't really affect the story that much, um, except for something very involved like Undertale, I think. But for instance, the infamous series, um, it's very known for it's, it's good karma or bad karma, but um, the choices don't change the story all that much. It just changes what color lightning you use and what powers you get. But even then, I have a lot of trouble picking the bad choices just because I think that's my that's my progress. That's, that's who I am as a person. And it might be boring, but um, it, I think that it's a little bit reassuring that in, in the medium where I can do literally anything that I want, I still want to be good. And the same happens in Fallout games or just any open world like Bethesda type game um, where you can do whatever you want. I just, I don't like doing <laughs> bad things to <laughs> good people. But yeah, I, I, that's why 
Um, and going on to Undertale, I think that that's what was so cool and so revolutionary about Undertale. It was this very inviting and seemingly childlike world where your actions had implications and consequences that, according to the game's lore, escaped the, the game's realm and were understood by the game's characters to be controlled by your real-world self. And that really blurred the line between the game and you. And so you really felt that in other games, for instance, like Fallout, you can just um, do a quick save and then kill everyone in a town and then just load back. But you can't really do that in Undertale. You can, but the, the characters will remember and they will point that out. And so I think that the, inverting that um, up until then gospel of the lack of consequences in video games is so revolutionary. And that's why I think Undertale is so valuable in terms of storytelling and using the medium to its fullest extent. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll start to see more of those types of games, uh, such as we've been seeing it in games like Until Dawn, Mm -hmm. um, which is a survival horror game where essentially it's saying, based on your choices, um, the decisions you make are, one, irreversible. You can't go back and essentially quit your game and save and make the other decision. Um, And B, you also have to make decisions uh, that will determine whether the characters you are controlling will essentially make it out of the game alive. So it adds stakes as well, which is really, really, really cool. Um, And I hope to see more of that in the future as well. So you've touched upon this as well, talking a little bit about um, comparing movies and books to video games. Um, But do you think that games are on equal footing with other forms of storytelling mediums, such as movies and books. And, for example, do you think movies do a better job at telling stories? I don't think so. I don't like the binary of something being better than something else. There are so many different kinds of people in this world, and they each interact with media differently. Um, Some people might be from certain generations that don't let them completely understand a video game or appreciate a video game. Some people, even from like the Zoomer, the, the most recent generations might have difficulty kind of relating to books because maybe their um, imaginations aren't as developed or they haven't needed to develop their imaginations as much because it's just been a visual media, visual culture their entire lives. Um, I think that, I don't want to say to each their own, but each, each individual person has a type of media that they resonate with the most. Um, I think that movies are wonderful in being able to lock the viewer in the experience that the director and the producers want the viewer to have. Every shot, if the movie is done well, every shot, every sound, every detail is controlled by the movie's makers. Um, Same way with, with a book. The author can choose specifically what words to use, what to include at all. Um, there's, there's a lot more, I think, control with a book than with a movie because in a movie, there's a thing called like uh, shooting the carnival where if there's something going on in the real, real world that would be worthwhile in shooting or in recording, then oftentimes the movie makers will record it. If there's a carnival in near the set, they'll go and like add a scene with a carnival. But uh, an author, there's no such thing as shooting the carnival in literature. It has to come from the mind of the author and they have to write it. Um, however, in games, given the, the freedom that the player has, um, 
at least if you can move the camera or something, um, the, the player might completely miss an incredibly important plot point. Um, they might completely miss uh, a scare or something, something that was meant to elicit an emotional response. They might completely forego it. And so their their interpretation and their interaction with the movie, or not the movie, but the experience in general might be hindered. It might be lessened. But in the spontaneity of it being missed, then they might relate even more to the game because it feels more real that something important might have happened that they didn't even know. You can't have that in games, or you can't have that in books, and you can't have that in movies, but the the freedom that players have in games, I think it's a double-edged sword. You could forge this wonderful story. It can be missed, but the fact that it can be missed makes the story all the more real and impactful. Speaking of which, where do you see the potential for games as storytelling devices? What would you like to see future games doing? I do think, and I know it's a ton of work for game developers, but having different consequences for different actions would be super appreciated. Um, I think VR is doing something really interesting. The player's literal physical actions are now the, the controller. And so that further blurs the line between game and reality. And if if the story is also one that blurs the line between game and reality, then we're entering realms of game as reality. And those are that's really interesting. That's really cool. And I'm not talking about like The Sims or I'm not talking about Second Life or something. I'm talking about a liminal space where the player truly feels or not truly feels that they're in the game, but are willing to feel like they're in the game just because everything is done to such an expertise and done with such a level of mastery that through through the polish that the developers have placed into this game and into its world, the the player is all all but happy to ignore everything else. And it's it's just the world the developers have created, and it's just the player in inhabiting these worlds and appreciating it. So I think that I think video games have a wonderful potential, not just to convey stories, but to help people escape. I, I know that there's a lot of stories of um, people that have a physical disability or are otherwise physically impaired, or maybe even mentally impaired, that wouldn't be able to inhabit the physical world so easily, but they're freed of any inhibitions that they might have in real life in the game world. And I think that it's really hard for someone like me, who am incredibly lucky to be able-bodied, to understand just how important it is for people who aren't to have a world where they can do these wonderful, impossible things. So um, I think just in general, games as storytelling devices can only continue to develop and supersede previously understood expectations of what, what can be true or what can be real. And it's super, <laughs> I'm enthusiastic to see what comes, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And this was a wonderful discussion. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. Here with me now, I have John Armstrong, who is going to talk a little bit about storytelling in video games. So, John, do you enjoy playing story-driven games? Sure. I don't think uh, story-driven video games are my favorite or my go-to option to play when I decide to play video games. 
Uh, I certainly do enjoy and have enjoyed in the past story story driven video games. I was a big fan of the Halo series when it came out back in the early 2000s, and I enjoyed uh, other series like God of War and Assassin's Creed as well. And recently, I've been really into the Resident Evil series, and I think those are those can all be classified as story-driven games and i really enjoy them for various different aspects i think when i normally go to play video games and relax i want to do something that doesn't require paying as much attention to to what's going on i kind of want to zen out and i want to zen out and just sort of listen to podcasts when i play and i think multiplayer games really allow me to sort of take off the headset and just be there in the moment but story-driven games definitely have a place in my sort of repertoire of video games. It's just not my go-to usually. All right. And so you mentioned some of your uh, favorite story-driven games um, being Halo and Resident Evil most recently and God of War. Why do you like these then? I think there, there are different aspects that I really enjoy about each thing. Um, back in the day, I think most video games were really story driven so in the early 2000s when halo came out that that was one of the premier titles for the xbox that launched and this i think this was really prior to the advent of multiplayer games as a as a form uh, in in the heyday that it was in the late 2010s and where it is right now so your options were a bit more limited i think it was easier to to enjoy and to stick with story driven games what I enjoyed about each of them respectively is that they always presented some kind of alternative world or alternative reality that I think was really interesting to connect with. And more recently with the Resident Evil series, I think this is an alternate universe and that there's you know a series of zombie apocalypses, but I, I find it really compelling the way that the game sort of engages in narrative storytelling. So... I think there's a it's problematic when the game is constantly taking you out of control to do some story to do some storytelling when they're forcing you to watch a cutscene or they're uh, relinquishing your involvement in the game. I mean video games are there to be played with. And what I think Resident Evil does really well is it takes little slices when it needs to to give you cutscenes, to give you these moments of, of space where you're not in the action. But a lot of it comes through finding different material on the ground. These, you know, the files that you pick up that you read and they give you little splashes of story now and then, but it, it's not spoon fed to you in the same way that you have uh, other narratives like like God of War, I think, and that's more interesting. But it re- because it requires you to go through and, if you're really interested, find these little snapshots of the story and piece together the evidence of what they're trying to tell you. But it's completely besides the actual point of the game, which is trying to get you to complete a series of objectives uh, sequentially. And these have narrative arcs within them, but it leaves a lot on the table if you want to explore further and take that time to go into it. What about these games make you want to actually explore the world, right? Or do you even go into these games and pick up the pieces? Are you trying to do that? Or are you someone who just completely ignores them as a gamer? Right. So I think whenever you pick up a video game you are making some kind of 
investment in the story, which requires you to be interested because there's a pecuniary a pecuniary cost to to buying a game, to uh, making that purchase, and then there's a, there's a time investment in it. When you when you decide to play a specific game, you're always making a sort of value choice about how to invest your time, and naturally you have to be interested in the subject matter somewhat. You don't just go around and pick up games usually because there there's a prohibitive cost to doing that especially if you don't enjoy it so when i when i approach something that i'm interested in i think it i go in knowing whether this is something that i'm not going to take very seriously if it's a multiplayer game and i'm just going to engage with it competitively because i find that stimulating in itself or if it's a story driven game i go in trying to to run through the game and, and complete it because that's that's the ultimate goal and if i find out that the story is particularly compelling then it's interesting to go back and really explore the game another time this is the benefit of being able to play something multiple times it's not a one-off experience usually you can go back and there will be easter eggs within the title itself that are that are self-referential if it's a series or there will be uh, additional nuances and layers to explore within the narrative that you don't necessarily get in other story-driven mediums like movies or books, where there's there's a limited ability to be self-referential or to allow for deeper exploration without additional content being produced for it. So whether you have a manual or uh, a sequel to a book or a movie. Yeah. And so you've touched upon a lot of things that you like in story-driven games and a lot of things that you don't really like in story-driven games. But what would you say is your favorite thing about story-driven games? And what would you say is your least favorite thing? Sure. So my favorite thing about story-driven video games, I would say, is that I am really a big fan of narratives. I am a really big fan of stories. I love watching movies historically been very into reading books and i think that video games represent a really interesting format to tell really interesting stories and i think sometimes that the the benefit is that you can do different things with the video game form that you can't do with books or movies because it really puts you in the driver's seat to connect with that story and the characters and this is the this is one of the great benefits of using that kind of medium and i think the downside is when that's done poorly it really leaves the the video game sort of dragging if it if the narrative is kind of ham-fisted if the way they go about delivering that to you is not done well then the game really leaves a lot to be desired especially if there are no other modes within that game if it's completely story driven and it fails to deliver a compelling story if it's a rehash of something if it's unoriginal or uh, or derivative and if it is executed poorly then that leaves a lot to be desired so i think it's sort of this twin or uh double-edged sword that the medium can bring a lot to the table but it also really needs the follow-through and the execution on behalf of the developers so what are some of your favorite ways in which games tell stories? We know games tell stories with lore. Um, maybe perhaps it's not even directly in the game, but just there's so much lore surrounding the game. Um, is it through items that you discover throughout the game, things that you pick up? Uh, having cutscenes, which you've talked a little bit about that you don't like as much. Dialogue, branching narratives in games, etc. Like what are some of your favorite ways in which games 
are used as telling or storytelling devices and used to tell stories? I think as a storytelling device, video games are best when they do a combination of the of the previous things you've mentioned, and they don't rely entirely on one method to to bring across the the narrative that it's trying to drive. So completely leaving it up to cutscenes really sort of splits the game into parts where you are the you are the agent, you are doing things, and then it splits it into where you're the passive observer and you're watching scripted things happen on screen. And I think that sort of takes you out of the immersive experience of a video game. But when you get to have these cinematic moments uh, that sort of bring about these climactic arcs to that story, that's really good because you don't necessarily need to be in the moment or you can take a break from just finishing uh, one of these epic epic boss fights that a video game has set up and you get to see the aftermath of that. That can be useful in giving the, giving the player an experience to step back from what they've just done and take a break, you know, re- reflect on it and and view what the developers are trying to get across and then if you have deeper elements uh situated within the game itself on top of cinematic on top of these cinematic moments like item descriptions or the ability to interact with items to see how they connect with the world uh that they are situated inside is a really deeper level that you don't have to come across or that you don't have to experience, it's not forced upon you, but if you are really invested in in the story, then you can access this deeper layer that can provide more meaning to the, more meaning or context to the events that are happening while you're playing. So I think that's really a useful experience. I think when you make choices, that can be an interesting element of gameplay, but I think it leaves a lot of question about, did I make the right choice? Should I go back and change something? How does this lock me into certain choices? And if I'm unhappy with this, do I have to go back? So I think that requires a specific kind of commitment to what you're doing and a commitment to really going back and exploring these alternative options. So then, do you better enjoy games where you are playing as someone uh, who has defined character and personality? For example, such as in Uncharted, where you play as Nathan Drake. Um, Or do you prefer games where you're able to shape the main character through your own personalizations and decisions, such as games like Skyrim? Sure. So I think, for me, I personally enjoy a defined character and that works the best because I find that the most similar to other narrative-driven medium, like uh, like books or movies, you have set characters with set traits and personalities, and then you get to explore how they interact with their own world. Whereas I find that in Skyrim, games like Skyrim or Oblivion or or other uh, role-playing games of the of this kind that there is so much freedom that it's difficult for me to really get in get invested in the world around me there's simply an overload of narrative or items that i find really distracting and it's easy to get lost and go down in a whole rabbit hole which some which i can completely understand why some people find that very enjoyable but i think it kind of feeds more content into the into the machine than is really necessary but i think that's that's more personalized or a stylized judgment on my behalf rather than something that i think is a critical flaw of 
those games themselves. So you also have mentioned books and movies as storytelling devices, um, which again have been around much longer at this point than video games. Do you think that games are on equal footing with these other forms of storytelling mediums? Or do you think that, for example, movies do a better job at telling stories? I don't think there's any kind of chauvinism about uh, movies or video games necessarily. I think we're getting to a space where the video games are being recognized as really viable vehicles for telling fantastic stories in the same way that movies and books are. And I think in the past, maybe this was there was something condemnatory about the way video games were treated. They were toys rather than um, pieces of art. And I think that has certainly changed and will continue to change as people are more engaged with the, with the medium. And uh, it's open to more and more individuals as it becomes more popularized and is set deeper in the contemporary zeitgeist. What I would say is that I think it all comes down to execution on the script writer, on the author of the book, on the developer of the video game, and how they create whatever narrative that they intend to deliver to the audience. And that they are different in the kinds of experiences that they provide, but I think they all are excellent at telling great stories when that's done properly. So where do you see the potential for games as storytelling devices? And what would you personally like to see uh, games doing in the future? Sure. So I think the, the potential is always limitless for video games, especially as technology continues to improve. I think there's deep potential for Oculus Rift technologies and virtual reality to create really interesting settings uh, or capabilities for narrative-driven stories. I don't think the technology is really there right now where it creates the kind of simulated reality that could really provide deep immersion into a narrative. But I think, you know, in the future, that technology may get closer. What I would say is that what I'm looking for from from narrative-driven stories is a commitment to getting great writers in the room and making really different stories. I think we've all seen a variety of different tropes that get thrown about in video games. And what's always really interesting is making novel stories and getting different voices and diverse voices into a writer's room inside a developer's office to take these different experiences and these different stories that haven't been put into the video game medium in the past and exploring what ways you can develop new new game mechanics new story new story new vehicles to deliver narrative and that that is probably where i would hope that game developers invest their time and money is to bringing into different bringing in different people bringing in different voices and really exploring different ways to engage the video game player and the audience with the kinds of narratives that they're interested in producing. Right. And when you say narratives, do you mean dialogue specifically? Or I know we played Journey at one point together, which is a game with absolutely no dialogue, um, but still tells a story of its own. 
do you think uh, more games like that will be developed? Yeah, I think that's a really great example of a game that is that explores a different kind of medium and that the the usage of the environment and the usage of enemies and setting really do a lot to explain part of what is going on, but leaving a lot still up to the imagination and providing an abundance of material that's available for different interpretation or for specific interpretations and using allegories to the outside world within your own medium can be really fruitful and in producing really novel and original game ideas and uh, gameplay formats. And I think this goes back to what I was saying earlier is that developers really should take the time to explore novel technologies, novel voices to to investigate the different ways that they can go about telling stories that make for really interesting and novel experiences for the player. Absolutely. And you have already mentioned this a little bit, um, but virtual reality is becoming more and more popular um, and might change how we experience games in the future. Thinking about games and telling stories, do you think you would enjoy being immersed into one of these narrative-driven games in a virtual reality? I think it depends how that technology comes about. Right now, I don't find Oculus Rift very immersive or very attractive. I think it's a bit clunky. And that is just a product of where the, or that's a feature of where the technology is at the current moment. And I think if they were trying to create a truly immersive experience that you're relying on sensory stimulation rather than narrative to actually provide an enjoyable experience for your consumer. So I think what we're looking at is maybe something that can be detached or dissembled rather than combined and that virtual reality is using a is using technology to provide a different kind of experience on top of a story driven one whereas a narrative can be told in any number of ways it doesn't necessarily need to be because it is lifelike or because it is stimulating your sensory nerves in a certain way so i think i would disentangle those concepts and say that it's just a different way of telling a story rather than it's a better one and that it shouldn't become the gold standard for the for the community itself and that the best way to tell a story is necessarily to push everything to its heightened uh, and pure uh, sensory provisioning through that kind of technology. Well, thank you very much, John. Um, It was wonderful having you with us today, and thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate hearing both Jeronimo and John's perspectives on the podcast, as I believe it showcases just how different gamers can be and how varied their interests are. I think that video games are one of the most exciting and fluid narrative mediums that have come about in the last century. They can be graphic, textural, oral, two-dimensional, or three-dimensional, and even more now with VR. They can bring together many ways of telling stories, and the continued emergence of this new form is a thrilling prospect that I plan to keep a close eye on, and I hope you will too. I've been Samantha. Thank you so much for listening.